People are being more deliberate about who they spend their time and energy with. I think that's a result of the last few years because all of that isolation really did a number on our relationships, didn't it? It really put people in categories that we might not have realized before. Sometimes we don't really stop and look at who's actually in our friend group and how they got there in the first place. On today's episode, I talk about the three main elements of friendship and how these help us see who's stuck around for years and why some relationships just never clicked. So if you're interested in doing a little deeper dive into your friendships, stick around. All right, let's get started. Hey, it's Vicki Smith. Welcome to Power to the Pleasers podcast. Want to start doing things on your terms and finally feel confident just being yourself in relationships? Well, you've landed in the right place. Here we break down your people-pleasing and perfectionistic patterns so you can move from being polite and doing it right to showing up, speaking up, and even laughing it up with people. Not sure it's possible? Well, stick around, friend. I'll show you how. Hello, everyone. That was, I don't know how that was. Was that a good greeting? I'm not really sure. (laughs) I guess I'm thinking about how people introduce themselves right now and how people just, you know, say hi to their neighbors passing on the sidewalk. I'm just thinking about that because (laughs) I just walked my dog, Murphy, who is a beautiful Australian shepherd, but he does have some issues. And one of them is he is considered a frustrated greeter, which means he doesn't really present himself as a very warm and welcoming dog to hang out with. Even though he is super excited, it comes out a little sideways and he ends up jumping around and barking and looking like he's going to tear your throat out instead of just wanting to say hi. And sometimes when I hit record on these things, I'm wondering, like, how do you just make small talk for a second? I guess maybe I'm not the greatest small talker, which leads me into today's episode. (laughs) It's about friends. I've been talking about relationships in general and how we start out looking for security and comfort and safety with people, even when we don't know we're looking for that. And I've just really been wanting to get into the topic of friendship. It feels like there's a lot there. And so one one part of friendship that I want to start with or keep going with is your circle of trust. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Meet the Fockers, but that was how this concept got brought to light for me. Robert De Niro is, I think, CIA or FBI. Anyway, he has a very small circle of people that he trusts. And so if you've seen that movie, you know what I'm talking about. These are the folks that you invite into your life. And frankly... It seems a bit of a mystery how people land in this circle. I think it's because friendships are a unique type of relationship. There's a relationship therapist. I never say her name right, but I think it's Esther Perel. And she talks about friendships as, well, she says it's like grafting branches onto our tree. And 
Friendships are the relationships that accent us and accent our lives, really. They make our tree fuller. But how do friendships start? How do we get, find, make, and keep our friends? Friendship is this weird sort of magical agreement where two people are like, hey, there's something about you that I really enjoy and I like, and I'd like to have more of that in my life. And somehow the other person is like, yeah, me too. And yet this whole interchange, this agreement isn't really spoken. And the agreement is so personal and subjective. I mean, I can think and want and hope that you are this type of friend and that we will have these types of experiences because that's what I think of friendship. And you can have your own version running in your head too. So how do two people with unconscious and subjective definitions of what it means to be close to someone and share their lives with someone, how do they actually get together and stay together? And as I got a little further into the topic of friendship, this was what showed up, just how truly random it all can be. It feels like these connections just happen sometimes, and we're lucky enough to be in the right place and the right time. Most of us have an idea of what a friend is, but I'm not sure that it's actually a fully formed idea. Do we really know what we personally need other people to be like in order to be called a friend? Have we really put some intentional thought into what it means to make a friend and be a friend? We all want friends, but really, how much have we spent intentional time on this whole concept of friendship? (laughs) And as adults... This whole friend-making thing can be daunting because who has time these days, right? I mean, it's sad, but true. I mean, as adults, we we just don't really have a pool of applicants <laughs> to choose from like we had as kids. As kids, we had friends of convenience, friends that live next door or who we were in our classes with or on teams with or in Girl Scout troops or whatever, But even then, we gravitated towards a few specific people and not others. Why did we do that? What about us and what about them was a match? That's what I want to start exploring with you. Because the friend thing has been on my mind for so long. Who are the people I trust? Who are the people that I call when I need advice or that I just need to vent and put it all out there. Who are they and how did they make it into my circle of trust? My first experience of making a friend, I'll have to admit, it didn't even really involve me, (laughs) which sounds weird. It's just that my mom made one of my first friends as a kid. Her name was Jennifer. And my mom drove me around the neighborhood. We had just moved into this new neighborhood. And she drove me around. We were looking for kids my age. And before you freak out about it, it was 1979. (laughs) It wasn't really as creepy as it sounds. But we had moved in the beginning of summer. And so there wasn't really this school setting that I could rely on to 
you know, hook me up with people. And I was pretty shy. So here you go. Mom doing her mom thing. And Jennifer and I became fast friends, really, until another friend came along, Shelly. <laughs> we weren't even in the same third grade class, but she was in my neighborhood. And I guess we, you know, we rode the bus together. But for the life of me, I cannot recall how we started our friendship. But it became a sisterhood. And most of my early childhood memories involve her and her family. I look back and I see that Shelly and I weren't complete opposites, but she was definitely more outgoing than I was. But together, she gave me some kind of confidence. She unleashed this playful and adventurous side of me, which led to us getting into a ton of fun. I mean, we just got into stuff and, and laughed our butts off. I really needed that because my house was serious. So even if at first I was her sidekick, that was fine. But it really wasn't long before we were true partners in crime. The things we go through with other people, the experiences of jumping on the trampoline together or riding the bus day in and day out, you know, having these little moments at first, you know, where you laugh at the same thing, those are the building blocks of friendship. So whether you're eight or 38, <laughs> I just want you to keep in mind these three friendship factors as we go through this episode. Now, these are according to Lydia Denworth, and she wrote a book called Friends. So these three friendship factors are stable, positive, and reciprocal. Friends need to hit some or all of these to really do it for us. And when we do hit these and there's a good match with somebody, well, I want you to realize how much of a gift that is because these are the people who call us out in the best way. These are the people who say, you know, you're all right. (laughs) I like you. They back us up. They think we're hilarious and they collaborate with us on, you know, the best freaking blanket fort we've ever constructed. (laughs) Or they show up at our house with chocolate bars and our favorite takeout when our dog dies. You know, we are both in it together. They agree to go through life with you and help you do life. That is the ridiculousness of the gift of friendship. It is just amazing that these people are like, yeah, I'll walk, I'll walk through this hellhole with you. (laughs) I'll walk through the messy times. I'll walk through the fabulous times. I just want to hang out with you. And these people are around through different seasons or phases or sections of our lives, but still they play such important roles in our development. And honestly, they're fantastic for our physical, mental, and emotional health. So we're going to fast forward to adulthood. And things are kind of a bit of a different story than when we were kids, right? It's a little, mm, there's a few more hurdles for us adults when it comes to making friends. We can still have friends of convenience, like at work or the neighbor, or, you know, if you go to a yoga class and you find yourself practicing next to someone weekly, you know, that could form into something. But it also might not. I just... 
I feel like making friends as an adult is almost more vulnerable than it was as a kid. But yet, as a kid, it was still pretty vulnerable for me. Being a shy kid, it's always hard to kind of initiate doing something with someone. And that takes me right back to riding around that summer of 79, trying to find somebody to play with. I mean, ugh, it is so fucking awkward to have that memory seared in my mind of my mom stopping the car, going up Jennifer's driveway because her and her mom were outside, like doing something with the water hose, talking to her mom and kind of looking back over her shoulder towards the car and saying like, yeah, that's my daughter right there. I think she might be the same age as yours. Could they maybe play together? (laughs) I mean, I'm dying, right? All over again. It's just so weird how it all goes down. (laughs) How people come into our lives. I mean, I remember I asked a friend out once, right? It was stupidly scary. But this was a friend that I had met through my husband's friend group. And she was one of the girlfriends and we just hit it off. And I loved seeing her whenever we did couple stuff. But, you know, you can't rely on on the guys too much to, to make those plans. So I just wanted more time with her. And I remember one time the guys actually went out of town for the weekend and I called her up and asked her if she wanted to go out for dinner. And she laughed and said, yeah. And we just continued to laugh about the awkwardness all night long because it was like I had asked her out on a date. But I had to because she was someone I wanted to be around. And I couldn't rely on, you know, working with her because we didn't. We didn't live in the same neighborhood. I couldn't rely on just running into her. I had to make something happen. And even though many years have gone by and she and I, you know, she had kids we didn't, we often don't see them, right? Like I maybe see her for lunch once a year, but every damn time I see her name come up on my text, I smile. And that's why I think friendships are really fascinating. I mean, aren't they interesting, like little beings on their own? It's this, like this thread that connects us. And We pull on that thread every so often, like I do with the friend I just talked about, or we can do it daily. We can have text-only friendships with people, and some people, we're like, I need to see you. Yeah, I need to go eat, eat lunch with you. We can have some people that we talk on the phone with for hours, and then some people that we make plans to spend days with, like a girl's weekend. I just have to ask myself sometimes, like, who are these people really? Like, who are the people in my circle? It's really amazing when you stop and you just step outside of yourself for a moment. And you go, wow, these are the people in my circle of trust. People from when we were nine years old, when we were 16, and we were taking driver's ed lessons together when we were in college and fumbling through that first awkward week of freshman year. Or hell, it might have been that one-off pottery class where we just sat by somebody and it clicked. These are the people that could still be in our lives. These are people we're connected with and to. Like solid as shit, I will stop whatever I'm doing and come to you. Friendships. Those can really form by sitting next to someone in your eighth grade history class. Blows my mind sometimes. 
And then you throw in the factor of people-pleasing. Now, as a pleaser, friendships can be stressful. Even when we feel a connection with someone as a people-pleaser, that connection feels conditional and tenuous. I mean, at least in our minds, we were like, this could go away with one misstep. What if I piss you off accidentally? What if I bore you and I'm sharing my work story with you? I mean, basically, as a pleaser, we're thinking, will I do anything at all that will cause you to be upset or mad or anything that can make you retract to this magical unspoken agreement we have to hang out with each other? (laughs) I know even in the heyday of my pleasing, I still made some solid lasting friendships. How that happened was these people allowed me to be me. And I eventually realized that. And I took the person off on their generous offer to just let me show up without doing a song and dance for them. Now, as I've gotten more into recovery from people pleasing, I am quite discerning about who I spend time and energy with because I really have no time for nonsense. (laughs) But back then, and that wasn't so, so far in the past, okay, but I gave it all I had with some folks. And even then, we did not find our sweet spot and stick it out together. Even with all my pleasing efforts, it just didn't work. Like I said, friendships are weird and mysterious. And as a pleaser, they're stressful. We just don't feel like that first factor of friendship, stability, is something we can count on. As pleasers, we don't really get the circle of trust thing, I think. I mean, we don't know that we have the right to create our circle. We get caught in this belief that we have to make it into another person's circle. And we can't do that unless we make them happy and keep making them happy. So inherent in that belief is the lack of the last friendship factor, reciprocity, the the relationship being reciprocal. We don't often feel our relationships are reciprocal, us pleasers. And that sucks and it's draining and it causes resentment. So as a pleaser and working with pleasers in my coaching and therapy practice, relationships and how they work and how to create healthy ones, that's a hot topic. And it's scary to pull back from that automatic pleasing behavior and look at who you are trying to develop a circle of trust with. And it's scary to hit the pause button on pleasing and consider what other types of people and friendships that you are looking for. Whenever we get to this step in a session, this is usually what I hear. If I stop being the most awesome version of myself with this person, they will leave. My relationships are built on me being the caring one, the available one, the one that initiates things, the one that understands, the one that's there no matter what. Another favorite that I love to hear is, Well, maybe these people don't really treat me that great, but you know, they're around and it's better than being alone. I get it. I really get it. And I want to say a hard truth here. It's true. We can't do our lives alone, especially these days. It's freaking insane out there. But the truth is we need to be picky about who we do our lives with. We want and need to share this journey of our lives with people that are trustworthy We want and need to share our shit with people that are safe for us, comforting for us. So who meets the three factors? Or at least 
two of them most of the time, right? Who meets the positive, um, reciprocal, and stable? Because these are the people that we turn to. Sometimes even before our families or our partners, these are the people we need around because we respect their opinion, their, their perspective. We need their encouragement, their accountability, stable, positive, reciprocal. Just, I just keep hitting those three each time I look at the lens, through the lens of what I am looking for in a friend and I look at the relationships I have. So I'm asking you right now to put some intentional consideration into the people you have around you. I want you to take the unconscious and mysteriousness and luck out of your friendships and become aware of who you want in your circle. And I encourage you to check out the show notes because I dropped a little friendship uh, thingy in there. It's, It's about how to design your friendships. And I want you guys to use it to dive into all of this because I want you to ask yourself, what is my version of a friend? Who am I looking for in a person? What am I looking for in a person? And who is going to fit that? Who will become a friend for me? Keeping in mind that we're also looking at who we are as friends and as pleasers, we need to ask ourselves if we're ready to relax the pleasing part of us because we've relied on that part to connect with people. And that's only one part of us. And frankly, when we use that part too much, it doesn't check off the reciprocal factor. But what is important to you when it comes to friendship? Do you need the daily contact? Are you okay with letting there be long distances between the time that you talk? You know, I look around my house and I have like 30 houseplants. I'm not sure how that happened, but they're there. And some of them need tender attention. And some, like my snake plant, please ignore it. Because if you hover over it, it will turn on you overnight. I mean, there have been so many snake plants. I'm like, this has got to be easy (laughs) to be a snake plant owner. And yet, it was fine yesterday. And now it's not today. And the same with friends, right? There are all kinds of friends, different levels of friends in your circle. The main point is for you to look at what you want and who fits for you. And I'm guessing it's evolved since you were a kid, but you know, you don't just need somebody to play with anymore. Although I am looking for pickleball people. So if you're into that, hit me up, (laughs) but, but it's changed as a kid, right? So just asking yourself, maybe it's kind of it sounds stupid, but maybe it's like, what's my schedule like? You know, do I have time? What am I like at six o'clock at night? Can I go to dinner with someone or do I only do coffee? You know, look at what fits for you. I remember in a yoga teacher training, I met someone and I absolutely loved her approach. When she and I decided to pursue more time together, she just flat out said to me, like, you might not be looking for another friend and you might not have the time or want to do the things I want to do, but I thought I would ask (laughs) and we can just try. And we did. We tried. And I really liked the time I spent with her. And she was right, though. I mean, she had called it and neither of us really had the time. And that hurt because I liked her. And then again, there are times like recently, I made a friend at a three-day workshop and it was like the easiest thing in the world. It was like falling out of my chair. I was like, all right, here we go. We matched up at the right time and now we eat tacos together. 
and it's been benefiting my life and hopefully hers for like four years almost. So sometimes it's not about you. It's about timing or it's about, you know, whether this person has a demanding job or little kids and you don't. Just ask yourself, what happens when I do have time? What do I want to do with that time? And do I want to partner when, <laughs> when I do those activities? And it might be a little bit of a nightmare, you know, to look at this list of things that you're trying to put together, at least for people pleasers, because it's asking us, what do we want? And we get to be selfish here. We get to choose. There was absolutely nothing wrong with Jennifer when I was eight years old. We hung out, we had fun, but I didn't choose her. And then Shelly came along and we chose each other. So even though it may seem odd or uncomfortable as a people pleaser to ask yourself what works for you, who would you choose, you know, you got to do it. So go through this checklist, list of questions, this friendship designing kit. And whether you believe me 100% or not, friendships are our choice. And that's another unique feature of a friendship. And we're going to get into the itchy scratchy thing of how to deal with <laughs> when and if friendships don't uh, stay enjoyable. That's another episode about friend breakups. That's coming. So stay tuned. But pleasers, please take the time and do this undercover work on what you want in friendships. You're cultivating something here. It's like a garden. You want to be intentional about what you plant. If you don't like rhubarb, you know, don't plant it and nurture the soil so rhubarb grows. Ugh. And friendships, they require intentionality and investment, right? You are investing in something and you want to reap the benefits of that. So why spend time and energy building a thing that's not going to fit for you? That's including somebody that maybe you can hold up and support, but they won't do that for you. I mean, we are really good at being the ground for others, <laughs> holding everybody else up. But we really got to stop that shit if we're going to have friendships that check off some of the important stuff on our personal lists. So who gives you energy? Who's easy to be around? Who calls you out and says, I know you can do this. Come off the bench and let's get on the field and play. Who wants to know you? Not who wants you to do something for them. Who wants to actually get to know you? There's another awesome lady. Not sure I'm going to pronounce her name, right? Her name's Lovey Ajay Jones, okay? She does have a book, several. One of them is called I'm Judging You, the Do Better Manual. <laughs> she's hilarious. And she says friendships are charging stations. And that is exactly what I want for all my fellow people pleaser. I don't want us to be the charging station for people anymore. I want the friendship as a whole to charge us. It benefits us both to be in this relationship. And in order for you to benefit from being in a relationship that's a friendship, you need to show up. And in order for you to show up, you need to know what you want to show up for. What kind of friendships fit you? So I'm just going to leave you with a reminder of the three things that friendships should do for us. They should offer stability, 
positivity and being reciprocal. They should give back. Okay, head to the show notes. I'm going to help you design your friendships. Just, it's really a list of questions that you're going to be like, what in the world was in her mind when she wrote this list? But (laughs) pick out 10 of them. I don't care. Just use them to help you start to look at who you've led into your circle of trust, whose circle of trust you've tried to break into by being a pleaser, and who you really want in there, right? Okay. I'm going to say this because I feel like we're building a relationship with each other. I feel like we're kind of starting to be friends. So later, friends. I can't wait to hang out with you again. All right. Peace. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about me and how I work, please go to www.powertothepleasers.com. And if you want to get even more special attention, get on the mailing list. It's not fluff. It's not going to waste your time. It's always intentional and educational. So I'll see you there. Later. Later.